Hey there! Welcome to Let's Talk Magic. I don't know if you knew this, but you have a pair of antlers sprouting out of your head. Yeah, they look super uncomfortable. On the bright side, I bet we could make some crazy string art if we just tie this here and loop it there and... What? No? Well, I'm sure we'll find something along the way that might possibly help you just a little. Maybe? I'm your host, Zach Larson, and our journey begins now. Pages. Chapter 1. It is curious how the writing in life books manifests differently for each soul. Does this not prove that there is more to Avatar kind than the stories in their life books alone? Dozens of electric motors purred in the background as she flipped through the pages of her life book. She pinched each page between her fingertips, energy crackling against her skin. Eighteen years of life filled many of the pages, but hundreds more lay waiting for her story to ink itself onto them. Potential hid there in the unwritten life. Life books contained many potentials, really. Paper to animate, stories to imbue, bonds waiting for, con waiting for consent, and the life book itself. Potential hid everywhere she looked. Except, potential was what she used to see. She couldn't see her life the same way anymore. All those possibilities would be gone in a few minutes' time, which essentially rendered them inert already, drained away by future impossibility. Would she still have her powers after? Would her life book crumble away to dust or simply lose connection to her body? These were the new potential energies, eating at her soul like an ink blade. She sensed someone behind her and shut the book, placing it inside a plastic box. She put the lid on the box and pressed down. Air squelched out like the last wheeze of the dying. She shivered and hurried to set the box on the table. She wondered briefly if the claustrophobia was from placing her soul in a minuscule tomb or from the death of possibility. Did it matter? It's time, male avatar said from behind her. She closed her eyes and nodded. Atmospheric gases tinged the lawns purple, dotted here and there by the dimming of a passing cloud. A soft breeze pulled at G's black hair as he lay in a thicket of asteria grass. The powdery stalks irritated his skin, but he remained still, resisting the urge to scratch. Senator Kana's estate spread around him like an overly elaborate chapter heading that demanded attention. It was one of the largest private properties in the city. Granted, the senator was also the senator also controlled one third of the vote in the Chamber of Conduct, so G was here for the senator. He wondered how much fusion power the house sucked from the grid as he studied the sweeps. As he studied the sweeps of the bots, the building tapered into a teardrop shape. Seamless windows lining the first and second floors, with the tip jutting out over the ocean cliff. There was no getting inside from the cliff, even with his climbing grapple. The walls were slick stone, harder than diamonds and completely smooth. G knew his kit could hack the front door. He just needed to get past the bots first. Watching carefully, he memorized the path of each little sentry. They looked like harmless cleaning drones, but he knew firsthand how badly their stun charges made a body hurt when he woke up the next day, that is. After three sweeps, after three sweeps of the bots, G spotted an opening in the pattern. It was short, maybe 30 seconds, but he was certain his kit could hack the security system in about 20 seconds. Reasonably certain, anyway. He wanted, he waited, another 15 minutes filled with an increasing urge to scratch his tingling neck to make sure the pattern continued. It did. When the next opening came, he pushed himself to his feet and dashed quietly across the, across the yard to the front door. 
Eight seconds down, and he paced, placed the magnetic end of the cord against the keypad. He looked down at the cold screen and watched the numbers crawl top to bottom. Fifteen seconds. The low whirs of a bot grew louder behind him. He clenched his jaw as the codes continued to scroll. Twenty-five seconds. The light on the keypad turned red. An alarm would sound if the correct codes were not entered within ten seconds. At least his unconscious body would be found quickly. He heard the bot just a few feet away along the wall. Twenty-eight seconds. The keypad light flashed once, then turned to soft green. With a click, the door swung forward. G pulled the magnetized cord with him as he stepped into the mansion and eased the door shut. The lock clicked, and he heard the bot whir by outside. His lungs expanded in a slow, deep breath as he listened for an alarm. Silence. The tension in his jaw eased, and he scanned the space in front of him. It was dark, with only the barest hint of purple coming from the skylights above. He stood in a wide foyer, bare except for a long couch that faced a writing table. The carpet was white, so G checked his shoes for dirt that might leave a track. They were clean. He moved farther into the room, creeping between the thicker shadows near the wall. Stairs rose to his left and right, leading to second-floor landings that ran the length of the mansion. G pulled up the mental images of the maps he had memorized. Beyond the foyer, the hallway widened to accommodate a swimming pool and narrowed again as it reached the tail end of the architecture. The senator's suite would be on the second floor above the cliff. He remembered a second set of stairs at the opposite end of the mansion, so he continued through the foyer and into the central hall. The lights led in enough astroglow to avoid the sparse furnishings. He could already detect the faint shimmers on the walls coming from the pool. His, his steps and breaths were slow and deliberate. His ears strained for avatar noises, but all he heard was the quiet sloshing of the pool water as he drew nearer. Darkness receded as he reached the pool. Its nighttime gray waters were lit from below, exposing him as he passed along, along the nearby wall. He pushed himself as fast as he dared until he was safely in the shadows once again. The mansion funneled G directly to the last set of stairs. Their metallic surfaces gleamed even through the darkness. Pausing, he listened again, but the mansion remained silent. If the sensors throughout the property had been, had been active, they would have already identified his biometric signature as foreign. Tonight, the house was an eggshell housing an electronic corpse. That was the downside of connecting every biometric system in the structure. One hack corrupted them all. He moved up the stairs, treading with light, silent steps. At the second story landing, a large white door greeted him. Only the hair, only the hairline street seams marked it as different from the rest of the wall. G sidled forward and ran his hand along the wall just to the left of the seam until his fingers brushed another, much smaller, deviation. He pressed his fingers against the latch and slid it up and away from the compartment housing the entry pad. Even in gloves, his fingers deftly inserted the cord from his kit into the calibration slot. The door slid open almost immediately with a soft whoosh. He stowed the hacking kit back in his pack as he stepped into the room. Air pulsed behind him as the door sealed itself again. Purple light bathed the walls around him and sent shadows skittering across the plush carpet. The ocean view immediately drew his gaze. Glass walls came together in front of him, completing the teardrop architecture of the building. A veranda meandered around the outside, encompassing the room. The churning ocean waters below cast light in through the windows in such strength that G didn't think he could fall asleep in the room if he tried. To him, it was as nearly as bright as daylight. The shuffle of fabric brought his gaze whipping back to his immediate surroundings. 
A huddled mass on the bed shifted under the blankets. Once her breathing deepened again, G drifted over to the side of the bed. Senator Kana's face was turned away from him, but her silvery hair flowed over the pillow and shimmered in the dancing light. She was young, only appointed to her lofty position a year ago, and she was also one of the last Senate avatars left who still defied the bellows. Her cooperation was crucial to tip the balance in the faction war. Gurney had been smart to, hi to hire G. Took him long enough. G slipped a bundle out of his bag and unwound the outer rag to, re to reveal a small stoppered bottle. He checked his mask, then unstoppered the bottle and poured the clear liquid over the cloth. The cloth absorbed the liquid, letting none roll off onto the carpet. He stowed the spent bottle in his bag once more and carefully placed the soaked cloth over Kana's mouth and nose. She stirred slightly, shifting her shoulder at the touch of the cloth, but she did not wake. Satisfied, G turned to the safe that was pretending to be a nightstand beside the senator's bed and knelt in front of it. It looked like a solid cube of metal. No markings, no keypad, no nothing. Anyone looking at the safe would mistake it for a side table, unless they were rich up, rich and up-to-date on black market lifebook tech. G had the tech park covered, even though he had never encountered this particular safe before. It was brand new. Nothing else like it on the market. He had already checked the waiting list for it. The list was long, really long. Yet this junior senator got one. He was a bit impressed by that. G put his face to the floor, but couldn't see underneath. He got to his knees and considered the smooth box. He could try moving it, but that might trigger a failsafe that would lock him out completely. It was unlikely that the entry hatch was on the bottom anyway. The rich wouldn't expect any more effort, wouldn't expend any more effort than necessary to access the thing. His gut told him the door was staring him in the face. He risked, he risked touching the smooth surface with his gloved hands, but found only unyielding metal. His hands fell back to his sides. There was only one logical way to open it. No doubt safeguards were in place to prevent an unconscious host from activating any mechanism, but unconscious problems were G's specialty. He stood and pulled the sheets away from Kana's sleeping form. He held the cloth to her mouth, gripped her shoulder, and pulled her onto her back near the edge of the bed. Her head rolled lazily, revealing half-open eyelids that G ignored, leaving the cloth in place. He lifted her right arm and pulled the sleeve of her nightshirt above her wrist. The mark on the back of her hand was one he had seen countless times. The prime lines, straight and unmarred. Carefully, he bent her arm down and placed her hand flat against the metal cube. A grid of lines flashed against her hand, silhouetting it in the dim room. With a click and a flash, the safe swung open. There were no lights inside, so G placed the senator's arm back on the bed. G leaned close to the woman's face and whispered, I need you to give me permission to touch your life book, Senator Kana. Please say permission granted. Permission granted, she muttered. Her voice was slow and monotone. He knelt and reached into the dark compartment with both hands. His fingers closed around the life book. Then he stood up and turned towards the bed. His stomach turned just a little as he clutched the woman's life book. Over time, he became accustomed to the work. He hid his guilt, now even from himself but the tremors from touching another's book refused to disappear completely. Kana's cover was moss green with her name written in silver letters, the same shade as her hair. Around her name, a picture of a full-grown parchment tree, roots and all, spread from the, top to the from the top to the bottom in light brown lines, fortuitous, as the senator was the linchpin in a dangerous game. He opened the book to the first page, blank, and put it on the senator's stomach as if she had been reading it when she fell asleep. 
From his pocket, he produced a thin red pen with an inky black tip. He brought the senator's hand to hover over the top of the blank page and placed the pen between her fingers. Hold it, he whispered. The senator's eyelids fluttered as her fingers contracted on the pen. Her arm remained in place when G released it. He took a moment to check that the pen had correctly punctured the senator's skin to extract the ink in her veins. When he knew all was ready, he leaned close to the senator's ear and spoke softly. You are happy to write the following. I, Kana Kajin, give explicit authority for Gurney Kaslan. Her fingers guided the pen over the page, leaving her ink and looping letters with each stroke. Over the soul and pages in my life book. I allow my life book to connect with his in the Patriot Bond. He waited for her to finish the contract. Entranced avatars were so slow. Sign it with your name. Once the senator finished, G lifted her hand away from the drying ink and returned the ruby pen to his bag. Her hand glared at him. Two looping circles had already joined her prime lines. Infinity. Gurney's mark. He left the lifebook open as he strode to the balcony doors and slid them apart. A briny breeze caressed his face as he made his way to the railing and attached a thin rope to it. He took the rest of the rope and tossed it over the side, watching as it unwound itself until the end dangled just above the waiting boat. Back in the room, he closed the safe door and shoved the senator's lifebook into his watertight pack. He replaced the bed covers and removed the rag from her face. She didn't move or close her half-open eyes. The trance would last for at least another twenty minutes. G gave the senator a sorrowful bow and returned to the rope dangling from the railing. He didn't bother to close the doors behind him. She would know something was different even before she fully regained consciousness. The rope attached to custom carabiners on his suit in three clicks. With a quick breath, he hoisted himself over the railing and let the mechanics and the carabiners control his descent on the rope. He pendulumed around the boat a few times before his feet hit the deck. A quick twist and tug released the rope from the railing. It coiled into the surrounding water with a hiss. He shoved the end of the rope into a retracting machine and hit the switch. The rope sizzled behind him as the motor pulled it from the ocean. G walked calmly to the console of the craft and fired up the engines. He smiled as they purred to life. In one night, he had shifted the entire equilibrium of the faction war. He wasn't sure he liked the way Apocalypse was headed, but the entire world was a corrupt clout heap anyway. So what did it matter? That's the first chapter of Pages. I hope you enjoyed it. It's available now, as I said in the previous episode. So if you don't want to have to wait for me to post the other few episodes, you can go ahead and buy it. I will appreciate your support. It would be supporting me as an author and supporting me as a podcaster. You can find a link to it in the show notes. The link will take you to a page that will show you all of the all of the links. So you can get to Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, Google Play, basically wherever you need, at least for the main ones. So wherever you whatever device you read on, whatever you want to buy from if you don't want to have to support a certain retailer, you can still get it. It's available. I appreciate your support and thanks for listening. Let's Talk Magic is a Living Words podcast. Content should not be reproduced or distributed without my express permission. Besides, it's all here free for the listening anyway, so why not just ask people to tune in? You can find out more about Living Words Press and how to support my author journey over at www.livingwordspress.com. Link in the show notes. 
When you head over there, don't forget to click the Join the Community button and sign up for my newsletter. Subscribers get pre-release content, news, and other extras for free. So don't be a stranger, stranger. I hope you enjoyed the show, and thanks for listening. <laughs>